Hello everyone, so this is episode one of My Sister's Keeper. We'll be exploring migrant domestic workers' issues in the Middle East and Lebanon. Why Lebanon, you might ask? Well, our speaker, her name is Banshi, and she's the founder of Enalena. It's a Lebanon-based Ethiopian migrant rights organization. And according to their profile on Frontline Defenders, Enalena is a collective of Ethiopian domestic workers based in Lebanon working to protect and preserve the dignity of the female domestic workers in the country based on principles of sisterhood and feminism. Before we jump into our conversation with Banshi, let me give you a very quick introduction into what the Kafala system is and also some of the issues that migrant domestic workers suffer from in the Middle East. Now, the Kafala system was created to benefit only the employer and nobody else but the employer. The Kafala system actually gives the employer a very high degree of control over the workers. It allows the employer to confiscate methods of communication, um, travel documents, passports, etc., IDs. It allows the employer to set unrealistic work hours for the employee without being penalized. Usually the employee's wages are very low and the payments are made very infrequently and the living and sanitary conditions are extremely poor. The employers make sure to isolate those workers in a way that they're not allowed to even communicate with their families back home. And this is particularly common among domestic workers. They are isolated and given unrealistic working hours. They don't only have to clean the employer's house, but they're also taken to clean relatives of the employer's houses. Um, They're not allowed to eat. They're not allowed to rest. They basically, this is a complete breach of the ILO Convention on Domestic Workers. The Kafala system is a monstrous system that is based on the violation of human rights, the violation of women's rights. It's based on creating an unrealistic work dynamic relationship between the employer and the employee that is equivalent to the relationship of a master and a slave in the modern day terms. Some labor reforms have actually led to some improvement in labor rights protection in some Gulf countries. However, there is a very huge gap in the implementation and enforcement. Migrant domestic workers are usually recruited by agents, and these agents actually charge very high recruitment charges in exchange for a work permit or in exchange for employment. And in some cases that are horrific, this amount is actually considered a debt. Um, They get indebted to the agency, and the agency has the power to do anything with the worker to get back their money. Some workers are forced into sexual exploitation, forced labor, human trafficking, and there are even cases of organ trafficking. Now, there are very official sources that actually state the information that I just said, and they're freely available in Google. 
majority domestic workers go through emotional physical as well as sexual abuse in their places of work and what absolutely pisses me off is they don't even have a source of contacting law enforcement or contacting sources that could actually come to their rescue or help them and when they're actually conducting phone calls to their families back home they do it under supervision so they cannot ask for help they cannot seek help the kafala system allows for this and much more to happen just last year in saudi arabia over 86 kenyan domestic workers came back to kenya dead and all were ruled natural natural deaths from cardiac related issues and they were all young this makes no sense and this is what happens in the whole middle east every domestic worker that dies their death is ruled out either natural or a suicide even though most of them show signs of torture some of them show signs of blunt force trauma to the head some of them are actually decapitated but still the reports that come back with them in their coffins actually say that it's a natural death cases of sexual abuse are very very common and even though some of them are actually caught on tape on camera people find a way to blame the domestic workers recently i think a month or two ago there was a video of a very 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 old man sexually harassing abusing a domestic worker while she's at work she filmed it and when everybody on the internet saw it they started to blame her calling her names um, really racist nasty filthy names because he's old they actually sympathized with him The racism, the abuse, the lack of mental health support, the lack of basic human rights makes the kafala system a very, very exploitative system that needs to be abolished. So after this very, very, very long introduction, let's talk to Banshi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Well, it's so great to have you. I'm honored to have you on the first episode. Thank you also for having me. So, how about we start with an introduction of you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your story? Well, uh, my name is Banchima. Um, Ethiopian nationality, and I worked as migrant worker in Lebanon for seven years. Um, yeah, I have. I faced my own even challenge when I was in Lebanon. I worked like several house, and some houses there is not, there wasn't enough food. Um, some houses, and you know. I used to sleep outside of the balcony and, you know, it was open to the kitchen and um, 
I can barely hear them. Like whenever, like my I sleep on the floor, like next to the fridge, so I can hear them like walking, opening the fridge, and um, you know, uh, enter to the kitchen, cooking and drinking water. Like, and yeah, I've been several houses. I face harassment, and I've been given also as a gift by my agency for his uh, relative to work. Uh, yeah, I've been through a lot in Lebanon. And yeah, I was, uh, it was challenging year for seven years. And, and also I raised by a single mom. Um, how did you get recruited? Um, how did you get to Lebanon? Oh, uh, you know, like anybody else, to support my family. And I was in Yemen. Uh, you know, I get an opportunity and they promised me, like, to uh, pay me over $200. And, you know, when they told you, they will tell you, like, Lebanon is a Christian country. You'll have freedom. You'll have day off. You'll have your own phone. So I say, why not, you know? So I came through, uh, from Yemen to Lebanon. But when you once you get there, like the promising and the reality is way different. I was paid one hundred fifty dollar, and I was in half day off. I was a nice cell phone, and worked several house, and it was different completely. Is it still the same for migrant workers who are still working in Lebanon now? And even it's worse, like for me is uh, this is like the simplest challenge and it changed my whole life. And but some migrant worker had it like in a hard way. And many migrant worker right now, they are not getting paid and many stuck inside the house for, uh, you know, enslaved so many years. And they face physically abused and sexually abused and refusing to send for a home for a long time and been putting in prison for false accusation, theft or and false an accusation of murder uh, or attempted murder. So it's worse for you know, others. You know, I'm blessed and, and grateful. Uh, I experienced in a few things. Some women we've been helped in the past and now they are in Ethiopia. They don't even know where to begin, you know? It's not easy uh, like to move on. Even you left to Lebanon, left. I left. Go ahead, please. I think the connection cut a little bit, uh, but I'm listening. I was listening, actually. Yeah, I mean, even if you, like, uh, left to Lebanon, it's not easy uh, to start over. And I left 2018 from Lebanon to Canada, but it's not easy to move on. Still, I cannot sleep because of what happened to me in Lebanon. And I'm not comfortable, like, dating or so many things to change in my life, you know. And I have nightmares. And imagine and the woman who's experienced sexual abuse and physically abused, how their life will be. So we seen the woman back home and how they are so, like, struggling to start over and also to live and with their own family and with their with their own husbands it's very challenging and and even back home still they live with a nightmare with the trauma 
uh, with the stress and what happened to them and you can't just move on even if you left Lebanon so um, it's not just abuse there is no accountability in Lebanon we are excluded from labor law there is no protection most of the embassy is not protecting um, the migrant workers some are like even in some country like Kenya and Sierra Leone and they put um, in several country they put just honorary you know consulate they don't have the real consulate so um, or embassy from back home to fight for them and some even we have our own embassy uh, their own nationality and still we see so many people so many people So there has um, has there anything that has been done by these embassies? Has did did anyone help at any time? Do domestic workers have the opportunity even to go knock on the doors of these embassies or consulates and ask for help from their country of origin? Is that an option? I mean, if I told you uh, be before uh, two thousand twenty and then you share experience. They were the worst, you know. We are the majority migrant worker in Lebanon. And our consulate never answered their phone, never, like, challenged the uh, migrant worker to help. They were treating us like a shit, you know. Like, uh, they really even forgot why they are there and what's their responsibility. Um, women was sleeping on in the streets, and, and the guy calls, uh, the temporary consular calls uh, Mr. Aklilu. He was just saying, and uh, I'm not responsible for any of you sleeping outside there. I'm not responsible, like, uh, for any of you living like undocumented and coming here. So it's like escaping their responsibility, refusing even to give this a passe, refusing to give a shelter, refusing and uh, to challenge the, the sponsor. So thousands of migrant Ethiopian migrant workers sleeping outside of the embassy. We were taking a responsibility, feeding them. And some of them depends on the condition, sheltering them, send them home. So many responsibilities we done. He say it's not my responsibility. And of course, after the the guy, the ambassador who replaced him, Mr. Tanaskan, he's doing a better job now. You don't see any migrant worker and outside sleeping, or you don't see migrant worker struggling much. And if she want to go home. And, you know, it's better and, and when we talk about Ethiopian. But the Kenyan is worse. So and if you check the, the scene in an in, in article, and they were like, the embassy were accused of like selling those women and, and uh, as prostitutes. And like whenever they want to travel, um, they like are suggesting them or sending them to do prostitution to cover their own expense. And they are not willing to give a shelter. They are not willing to help. And so, so many embassies struggle. Uh, of course, the Philippines better. Always they look after the uh, citizen. And time to time, they hold the sponsor accountable. They go home to home even. So it's a doable. But like the others are not willing and, and enough to do or caring enough to do. Um, what about... Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Um, what about local law enforcement, Banshee, the Lebanese law enforcement? Are they willing to help, um, whether it's in repatriation of these workers um, or in any form at all? 
It depends on. Sometimes they are the one you know, who's abused the migrant worker. Sometimes they help. So, for example, in our repatriation, and they help us to get an exit visa. And, and some party will see them like you know deporting and the Kenyan and migrant worker try to deport, or a woman was arrested and you know, in an unfair way with no evidence, and you will see women tortured and on the way and to the prison, and in Lebanese or any country law until uh, anyone you know uh, plead guilty or sentenced by the court guilty, and uh, they are innocent. You know, so they shouldn't be like you know physically abused or uh, you know, subjected to any verbally abused or anything. But those women, when they get arrested time to time, they and we like many women witnessed, and then also when we interview them back home, they've been tortured. Some of them they've been mistreated. Some of them without enough evidence, they've been in prison for years. Some of them they've been you know, in the prison for years without uh, even you know showing like go to court, you know, legally. And they've been kept in several police stations, hidden, and and so nobody knows where the uh, where the, those women are. So basically, sometimes we find it favor for family, favor for friends. And, you know, uh, the family member of his uh, working in immigration or working in, 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 in the army or in police. So they can just put you in the prison, like forget about you, like you'll not even exist. So you'll be denied phone or anything. So you're not going to uh, reach out to your embassy or reach out to your family. Nobody know where you are. And several times and we find this kind of woman, they've been in prison for years without even going to the court. That is absolutely terrible. Um, I can only, I can't actually imagine the psychological impact of this. Like you said, when these women, if they do get an opportunity to go back home, starting over definitely will be hard, whether it's economically or even mentally. Are there any programs um, that you know of that the government of Ethiopia or the governments that are in East Africa in general Let's say in Africa in general, are there any programs that help out domestic workers who come back? Well, uh, I'm not aware of like in the other African countries, but when it comes to Ethiopia, not enough. And for example, we have ILO and other uh, organizations work uh, around returnee, but not enough. And we just started it, you know, our program in 2020. And the women we repatriate based on the case, we support, like, we do, like, psychological support, medical support, finance, and also education and for, uh, you know, employable skills, but, like, not enough. We have, you know, thousands of thousands of migrants, like, hundreds of thousands of migrant workers and, and all over, like, um a Middle Eastern country and, and Lebanon by itself, according to Ethiopian you know, embassy in 2020, we said we are 400,000, but like people keep, keep saying in a migrant in general, 250,000, but like the ambassador said, we are like 400,000. So the support compared to that, not even like, not even like 5%, you know, a lot has to be done. Um. How do majority of the domestic workers or migrant um, laborers usually, how do they get to Lebanon? Is it through, um, you know, the airport 
um, or is it through other means? It depends on uh, maybe in the airport, but um, also like how they getting get out from the country, uh, like in Ethiopia. And several countries was banned to enter to Lebanon, but still, you know, the human trafficking are like they make it like family business. They have someone in in Lebanon. It could be wife. It could be sister. It could be like, um, you know, um, uh, I don't know anyone they have. So back home, like they have their family member operating with them. So they traffic those women to Kenya to um, uh, Sudan before the war through to Yemen. Um, so, and time to time also, like those women, when they go to Sudan, they go by car. There is a lot of um, uh, rape involved, starvation, torture, and, you know, uh, denying the freedom of movement, locked inside the house, inside the container. So many uh, things happen. Women even come back to Lebanon pregnant and, and they've been raped in the, in, in Sudan. Um... Also, some of them they come through. They came through like Dubai, Kuwait, and they do like a transit. So, an Ethiopian government didn't know like where they're going. All they know is like they're going to Dubai, they're going to like uh, Kuwait, or they're going to Bahrain. So, those women coming to those uh, children, I can say, Ethiopian are like the youngest, and we have also witnessed so many um, underage uh, uh, kids. Coming. So they're coming through the, those uh, transits. So Ethiopian government closed and, and entering in Lebanon long time ago. So, but still they're coming. And uh, including Sierra Leone, Kenya, and those are all, you know, they're coming through like a recruitment agency. And some are trafficked, some are like um, knowing what they're doing. So those days they will tell them, you're going to Dubai, you're going to like, uh, Bahrain or Qatar, and then they ended up bringing them to Lebanon. Can you tell me more about the recruitment agencies? Are they legal recruitment agencies, or are they the ones where you know you're supposed to pay a very large amount of money so that they can get you a work permit? A pro- actually, it's, I think most of it is a promise of a work permit, but it actually doesn't exist. Is it like that? Uh, in Ethiopian, all of them are illegal because uh, as Ethiopian government take very strong measure, in Ethiopian, the law is very strict. strict. You can and punish up to death penalty if they find you like guilty. And it's, it's Lebanon is banned. So they operate illegally. Some of the agency, they uh, license to do like Dubai or Qatar, any country Ethiopian government has agreement with the government and, and they give them a permit to work on. But like under, they do like, you know, uh, also uh, human trafficking and to Lebanon. So they are doing illegal. Either they have license and then they do like under the table, you know, re- uh, trafficking the women to Lebanon. Or and, and people have no license and, and, and are all doing this job. So and either way, they are like you know, illegal in Ethiopia. And I cannot tell you the other country and, and some country I know of like Philippines, um, like some country already it's closed, they are banned, but still, you know, you know they are trafficking the women to different country. Um, 
not every country is and uh, open uh, to uh, come to work in Lebanon. Most of them are banned, but like you know, the recruitment agency are making huge benefit out of this. So the women all, uh, already pay some money. Once they arrive also in Lebanon, they will cut um, up to three months salary. And the one in Lebanon are illegal. Some of them, some of them are illegal. And they are the one like making the huge money. So when you arrive in Lebanon, you will have a sponsor. So your sponsor will do the paper and everything. But for just bringing in those women to Lebanon, and they will take up to like $3,000. Three thousand dollars up to three thousand dollars. It depends on the nationality. It could be you know higher, it could be a lower. Three thousand dollars for how long? Just one, one payment, just one time. So they t- took three thousand dollars from the sponsor. Sometimes one thousand five hundred up to like three thousand. They will took uh, from the sponsor once the woman arrived and, and and the sponsor agreed and they want to keep the woman. So once they give you three months trial time for the sponsor uh, to send back the woman. But for us, they will tell you, you have three months time trial. But like, if you didn't like it, there is no way out. And then and after that, the agency will not going to involve unless the sponsor want to sell you back or like uh, take and you know, if, if they want to take in an exchange, you know, a different migrant worker paying more money or like taking them for one year, maybe they might have like an exchange. But after that, like the agency will say, it's not my responsibility. You know, you're on your own. You have three months and three months, you know, you can, you should be changed. But even before that three months, it's, it's, it's over. If you ask them to change all, what will wait you in the office? Harassment, rape, torture, starvation, uh, locked in the bathroom, uh, humiliation, uh, threatening sometimes. And sometimes women will find an accommodate suicide from agency uh, in house uh, or office locked without food um, and making them also work place to place if you go and refuse to go back to the sponsor house. Um, or like if you said, like, I'm going home, I'm not working. So you'll be hold as a hostage uh, until your family pay the money uh, they are expect you to pay. So the agencies are just an extension of of a whole system that is based on slavery and they help with mm-hmm. nothing. Yep. Okay. Um, can you talk to me about racism? Racism that domestic workers face in Lebanon? Well, uh you know, racism is all over the place and in the world, not just in Lebanon. But when it comes to Lebanon, it's linked to the kafala system, and we live in our sponsored places. Very difficult. The way we've been treating, and for example, they have a couch, and then they don't want me to sleep on the couch. They want me to sleep on the floor. Some house, and I worked, and they don't want me to use their plates. They put for me different plates because they are disgusted me eating in their own plates. Even like I take care of myself and then I am a human being and then I should be respected as any human being. And 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 they have a dirt and then I'm there to clean their dirt, but they were treating me like I am the dirt, you know. So um, what can I say? For example, whenever you eat foods or they want you to eat their leftover, 
and the way and you dressed up and they will tell you how you dressed up and what you dressed up as migrant worker you shouldn't be allowed to have a life you shouldn't be allowed to watch a tv or have something to read or like going and out there to uh, you know in touch with your family to speak neighbors to speak and you know anyone you know and or have a friends or an date or having a family and everything they feel like migrant workers shouldn't have a life you know we have some in you know, a restaurant doesn't want to accept migrant worker some pools and that doesn't want migrant worker to swim or to enter and the racism and, and what can i say for example if you dated lebanese man his family will never accept you and i'm not saying all family and some family and your kids not allowed or not welcome and to go school with the lebanese kids and they have limitations some school accept you but the most school like if you are in a black or if you are non you know lebanese huge challenge and on the streets the name calling you know the black name calling they call us abed and sri lankie which is sri lanka's nationality but they call us sri lankie form of saying and a maid uh, no matter how educated you are no matter and you know um, your job you might be diplomat you might be like business person you might be there for three uh, visiting Lebanon or anything you might be like and uh, different job you do like you would be identified as Sri Lankie and I'm not ashamed of it I'm proud of like you know my work because I work so hard and support my family and to be in, in you know independent and like it is a job but it is seen as um how can I say it's, it's they use it to discriminate us and even the children being called and the daughter of and uh, Sri Lankie and then on the streets, like, and the harassment also, and, and not just the racism linked to, like, whenever they see you, like, um, they offer money to sleep with you. They offer money, and, and, and so they think, like, all of us, we are poor, so we'll do anything for money. And it's, like, the racism, the classism, and, and also the... Um, uh, the harassment in Lebanon and it's a bit complicated and then like you know and we have anywhere we have the racism in Canada and and any, anywhere else I've been but like there is a, you know, a link to like kafala system and then no accountability um, you can't just sue because someone who harassed you or uh, you know racist to you in your workplace I work as a cleaner in some office the guy used to close the phone on me every morning because I'm a migrant worker. He told to my uh, boss, and she's a migrant worker. She should be clean, not answering the phone. How dare she talk to me, you know? So he used to close on me, and and, and, and I worked in that place a couple of years. Every time he called, he used to hang up on me not to speak to me. Wow. Um, I feel like, actually... I know, and I think this is a fact that we all know, that um, domestic work is not seen as work in the Middle East. Um, I don't know how they class it or what they're actually seeing it as, but 
domestic work is work and um, ILO has a whole convention on it, which is the Domestic Workers Convention, which was on 2011. And um, let's talk about the working hours. How are the working hours? Um, are there fixed working hours? Or is it since you are here, you should work 24-7, you don't, you don't get to rest? Was it like that? It's like we're property. You know, we're like a thing in, in, inside the house. And and all they see is the 3000 or the $2,000 they pay for the agent and the salary. When I keep saying in those abuses, I'm talking about the one who abused migrant worker. I'm not generalizing all Lebanese people. Um, but once you enter in the house, you're like a machine. You work this house. You're done in this house. You get to go to their mother house. They... Uh, the husband mother house the mother uh, the wife you know father or mother house the sisters the office the businesses never end you know so the party like all they been cleaning cooking take care of children and at night will continue like the party so there is no like um working hours and even the law say eight hour per day and one day per week we should have an, an day off they shouldn't even respect it. And we worked, I worked the time like 16 hours and 14 hours. Um, many migrant workers sometimes when you interview them, they will have only two to three hours per day sleep. Wow. So, but they never get paid for the overtime. They get paid 150 or sometimes they work like this eight, nine years and they never paid at all. So there is no like you know, working hours in Lebanon. They treat us like we are property. We never get tired. We have no, uh, we never like uh, been um, given a rest or like whenever we are sick and then they get frustrated, they get angry and they will really forget about it. The past couple of years, they're taking care of their children, they're taking care of them, they're taking care of their house. And then all they see is we're lazy, we're sleeping, we need to get up and then sleep. And we never given also proper proper medication or like we most of them like refuse to take us to hospital. They will give you like the medication inside the house. And this is a cause death. Some of the women who needed urgent like women who's been um, uh, affected by cancer and TB and so many like tuberculosis. So many kind of uh, kidney failures, so many kind of, you know, highly needed, uh, like, uh, because of the condition they are living, the starvation, the physical abuse, so many things, the chemical they're working on, they've been, like, exposed for so many kind of, like, disease. In deny also medical assistance, those women died. All, you know, been told the story is they died from sickness, but, like, and those women, they were healthy, they did full medical when they left their country. And then they ended up getting sick in Lebanon. And not just the working hours. There is no even, we have even problem on medical and, 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 and uh, needs. So when the situation is worse, instead of taking you to the hospital, all you get is get deported. So you can deal with it in, in, in your own country. Oh my goodness. How was it during the COVID crisis? Was there any accommodation to deal with the pandemic? What about um, workers who got COVID? 
Was it the same way? They got no healthcare, no treatment? Well, um, before the COVID, it was the financial crisis, women are sleeping on the street. And when the COVID is, is, is started, like, and we lived only with one quarantine and in a small quarantine space in, and provided by MSF. We have no quarantine space, free quarantine space for migrant worker. You have to pay for it if you need quarantine space. You have to pay for it if you needed you no know, testing. And uh, no quarantine space. You have to do your own quarantine in the house without no doctor, without any medical assistance. The hard work was being done by an MSF. And back then, they used to go home to home when we have a problem. Or you know, those women being taken care of by migrant worker, community leaders, groups and some organizations so and you should you know the condition was back then also you have to have you know a paper and to have covid tests to have medical assistance so we have to ask the embassies and to give them some kind of an um, paper and you know, a written so they can do and um, and you know testing once they found out there was discrimination against migrant worker when they have a covid throwing them out from the hospital and so many, like, traumatize them even more. And no quarantine facility. So what Inyalenya has been doing is for when the woman and we heard they have a COVID, we used to go home to home, deliver a food so they can quarantine, providing taste, and also if the 1% or 2% only tested positive. So uh, relocate them and, and with other, like, people we know they have a COVID. Or like and uh, removing the woman that doesn't taste positive and then look for them in a place and cover the expense. And basically, I can say the migrant worker and the migrant community leader were supporting each other. And some organization and was involved, but like mainly the responsibility left for the migrant worker, the migrant worker leaders by to deal by themselves. What about reproductive health and menstrual health? Uh that also, uh, there is a couple of health services for a migrant worker, um, but like there isn't enough outreach for a migrant worker. A migrant worker doesn't know there is this kind of services exist unless you do your outreach. Because since 2017, 18, we've been like raising awareness on women's health and reproductive and and. Uh, systems and, and also um, the system in Lebanon, how they should go and, and get um, the help and also um, uh, what they call it, where they can find inverse control, where they can find the tasting. So the woman has not, it's not aware of like and where the resources, but at the same time, it's very limited. Most is targeted like Lebanese people the service out there and and we find it is very uh, needed in 2020 we started this project still we are like you know working on raising awareness and providing birth control providing and uh, testing for uh, sexual transmitted disease and awareness about pregnancy harassment and domestic violence those kind of things and we do we do um, regarding uh, and the, man- uh, the menstruation and whenever we do like food assistance, we added for pads and for each woman and but like we don't have a specific like education. And still we have lack of um, 
service for this. There are few organizations do the service, um, you know, and we are a lot in Lebanon to needed the service as a woman. It's it's kind of the basics, you know. Okay. Um, since you mentioned Analenda, can you please tell me how you founded it? What's the story? Because you're doing amazing, um, amazing work, whether it's COVID response or um, post-COVID response. So can you tell me how you started it, the story and the services um, that you offer? Um, firstly, it's my experience in Lebanon. in Lebanon. I worked inside the house. I worked as a freelance. Always I've been harassed and, um, you know, experienced also several abuse and I'm paid and starved and like I it is my experience first of all second I really want to do good and out there and I want the woman to experience like and what I've been experiencing and also my team experience and we don't want them to experience why we've been through and the other things why and I started it is uh, we are the majority white migrant worker in Lebanon and but I checked like how many in migrant group helping the migrant worker. So most of them run by men or created by men. Mm. So started out by women, but hand over the leadership for a man or like um, the church, the community, the embassy, most of the things is controlled by men. So like they are not migrant worker. They never experience what we do. Even we appreciated their help. And we're so happy and grateful to have them uh, support us. But at the same time, we should be able to speak for ourselves. We should represent ourselves. It is our fight we should be fighting for. So this is one of the reasons I wanted to create a woman and organization who fight for, an, you know, women and rights. And I want to create a woman and, and like feminist organization. So this is the idea. And, and, and the other, like to look for long-term solution and to empower women. Most of the women they are coming to Lebanon, they make a program like I will stay two years. They ended up like staying 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. And one of the challenge is either they are married or they have family members to support. And they never make a decision and on their income. They only just keep sending and sending their money. And I wanted them like to be empowered to make a decision for their own income. And then I want them to empower, even if they are in, in, in Lebanon, having better income. But it doesn't mean the man back home and, and you know, get to live free. You know? He has to do on his own responsibility, share the expense so she get to save her own money. And then she, you know, she should be going home. And in a while, she's sending everything she have, and the children even forgot their mom. And the children and you know mentally like and damage and when they get back home the father not even explaining and 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 at all they are children they will not understand why she's sacrificing she's sacrificing her age age and and, and life and you know losing you know her children but like the same times it will count for nothing but the children doesn't understand like what she's doing what she's doing it and then they ended up staying in Lebanon so I really really want to like empower the woman and those are the couple of reasons and I started it uh it's um my brain just stopped for a minute um, I'm... 
I am amazed at what you have done. This is amazing, Banshee. And of course, um, your organization is based on volunteers and and um, they're all domestic workers as well, right? Not all. Now we Not have, all? Yeah, now we have Lebanese and, and also non-Lebanese uh, migrant worker kids or migrant worker. But like, and we kind of diverse in 2021. 22 and uh, but like the majority the board the decision making and the majority work done like and and by my worker that's amazing um what's about the work that you do in ethiopia that's and uh, other than the accountants all the work done by my worker that's amazing the board That's also right. like not, we have only one non migrant worker board. All board are decision making, the finance, the operation, everything done by returnee and uh, migrant worker. So. That's our one of the our what we stand for. If we're given the chance, if we're given the the resource, and if we're given the training, we believe like we're capable of doing anything. And then all the job is done two thousand and twenty one hundred percent by my worker, and helping like and between two thousand twenty twenty one helping and you know over seven hundred migrant worker and going home, and helping over fifteen thousand migrant worker and emergency assistance. And, and also taking over like 240 cases to help migrant worker. And, and that's all the embassies. And we used to visit providing food and, and you know, sanitizing and, and everything and tasting and everything done by migrant workers. That is amazing. Um, I, think, I think that women's rights activists... Um, I believe that it's all in good intention, but I feel like we have not been including migrant workers in the conversation of, um, you know, abolishing the kafala system. It's been about only us speaking from our perspective. And I feel like this is a learning opportunity for us to learn to include those who are in the cause, because um, for the issue of migrant workers, migrant workers speak better for themselves. Um, I feel like um, migrant workers have been treated like they don't have a voice. Um, I read this the beautiful article that was published in uh, Feminist Consciousness by you, and it truly it truly resonates because that's how the advocacy about the issue has been going on in a way that um, we have been in an echo chamber just speaking out what we think and we did not include um, the voices of migrant workers. And I feel like that is a very big wrong on our side. And I feel like this is a very important learning moment for us. And I'd like to thank you so much for that. Um, and I hope everybody else as well learns to, to be inclusive instead of speaking over, um, you know, the people who are from within the cause, we should learn to be better allies. Um, mentioning allyship, what do you think is the best way for us as feminists or feminist organizations or even as individuals to help out? What's the best way? 
Uh, well, uh, the local organization, they doing what they can, but like, it's not enough. Like, we would love to be involved from the beginning. We would love to involve in their board and their decision-making and their projects and, and their resource. And also, like, and what and it's going to happen in Lebanon. So sometimes and people act in a law and, and, and some organization and apply to the court or anything. We never heard of it. Like, we never, like given a chance to over in a scene it or like to discuss if this is you know good for us or not we do appreciate mm-hmm. the help we really 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 respect and and some more feminists or an organization they work so hard you know to help migrant worker but at the same time we love to involve you know and when it yeah. comes to international conference and 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 other places also we love to like be a part of it and you know, speak for ourselves and for example if you invited uh, five you know, organizations from Lebanon, at least uh, two um, migrant workers should be given the and uh, talk about their work, their experience, because the community leaders are doing amazing work. And again, 2020, other than few organizations, we left alone by ourselves. We passed that disaster, helping our people, be there for our people. And uh, we've done the impossible one. So I believe and and we didn't been heard enough. We didn't give an opportunity and to be like and consult or like to have this you know, discussion, you know. And and you know, I'm planning to do this, you know, what do you think about it? And or what do you want me like based on when you create a project? For example, in Yalinya, we're migrant worker. We know what migrant worker needed when we draft in a project but still we call different nationality community leaders and then ask them what do you need what can we give you what's your community challenge because and we all you know living under kafala system but at the same times the filipino and the ethiopian or the sierra leone and the kenyan they have different experience so we want to hear about their struggle their challenge based on that we create the capacity building training the skills and based on that, we do and, and know, um, try to meet their needs. You know, we love to be like, you know, asked before any project that's out there, any and, and law out there, any anything that's out there. We love to be involved, be a part of it. And 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 I'm sure, like, you know, in the future, and I hope there is there will be changed. And and also, whenever it comes to international meetings and conference and anything, uh. I know Inyalanya get invited, but like the other you know, community leaders and uh, still they are struggling. And also we struggled in the past. It's not enough. When it comes to resource and the international huge organization, they're either giving them money and you know, the organization who's stable, who's and they think are reliable and they think they will provide the work and instead of like the migrant worker. But whether with them or without them, we're doing the job. There is no trust and or there is racism and toward like a migrant worker. And then we need to have like, and, and you know, they, they know the situation already. You want to support migrant worker, but you cannot blame the migrant worker because they cannot register. So are you helping the migrant worker to be empowered, to be um, registered or and you are helping migrant worker and 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 
organization or you friendly for a migrant worker because you want them to get out of from kafala you want them like to uh, be able to organize you want them you know to be able to be strong but like how can are you planning to do it without including migrant worker in this you don't want to give them the money you can't trust them enough the money you don't want to support them with the money but like you supporting somebody else and then who's not even consulting migrant worker or even in consulting migrant worker it doesn't matter or working with the migrant worker doesn't matter at the same time the people who has the cause the people who want to like fight for their own cause are struggling with the lack of finance lack of trainings lack of space how that work and you consider yourself like i am funding migrant workers and project for me it's a huge challenge also like i've seen so many and no and no challenge we have amazing donors who support us who appreciate and what we do who uplift us and then there is there is so many donors still you have to be registered you have to be like and you know stability in the country so many like criteria they have your money and this is not fair you know um that definitely that that sounds um that sounds tough where organizations are trying to um you know create projects without consulting migrant workers and the project is on migrant workers and i hope i hope that changes very soon um finally do you have any last message well um i'm not saying like all of them and some organization who work closely like uh, migrant community center mcc like and kafa any couple of an organization there is the need to learn from them they need to see how they work close to us or involving like what we do and and we involve sometimes with what they do and they empower sometimes migrant worker and i wish the rest of them learn from them and then like do more and the other things also and for the embassies out there especially for kenyan embassy and Sierra Leone and any other embassy who forgotten the and uh, citizen and especially the Kenyan one it is doable if they bring any consulates and it's doable for example one of the change i seen in the Ethiopian embassy um the one of the project we work is migrant worker who has post accusation against them they've been stuck like 5 to 6 years in the country they couldn't travel we work on like you know this kind of case and and, and huge number of around 200 number of uh, and cases so the ethiopian and embassy now started up like working on those kind of cases bringing and you know a lawyer and put an an complaint to the court hold accountable the sponsor and clear up those women to send home it is doable if you want to do it and they should look after they and and the people the women are struggling the women some of them are homeless they don't even have food to eat they have no shelter they have no one and to protect them for example they have us they have organization but like it's not even enough you know we don't have the capacity the organization don't have the capacity to help and we don't provide it let's say passy we don't provide it like and the legal protection and uh, as the consulate and as the embassy they need to consider to to send a real and uh, consular and not like a honorary consular that's my well answer. well banshi um i really appreciate you giving me the time 
for this. And I'm truly honored to be speaking with you and listening to your story. Um, you should know that you're, you're heard and we see your work and we're all so proud. Um, and I hope, I definitely hope that there is change very soon. Um, we all got this. This is, this is our fight. And thank you. And I definitely will speak to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Hi again, everyone. That was our conversation with Banshee. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you guys have any comments, please do leave them uh, for me and for her as well to see. If you guys have any recommendations, please do as well leave them in the comments. Thank you for listening and see you next time.